0: welcome to the bluff first podcast we pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life for more information please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com um we've been in a kind of a theme for the year called deeper waters and uh and so today we're going to kind of start a new series underneath of that umbrella um, called deeper worship so if you're taking notes today we're talking about deeper worship i want to give a shout out to and there's so many of my pastor friends on that video. I want to give a shout-out to my friend uh, Ryan as well for some of his ideas and illustrations on uh, this subject. But um, we're going to get even deeper in the coming weeks as we talk about worship. Today, I just want to kind of establish um, a foundation on what, what biblical worship, corporate worship looks like. This is kind of the Worship 101 message, if you will. If you have snuck in and we've never met, uh, my name's TJ. We don't normally play a video like that before I get up and talk, so it's uh, they've chosen today as Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and I wish it was Congregation Appreciation Sunday. We appreciate you so, so much, and uh, the other half of our pastoral team and, and Nathan and Megan Smith, you guys are are awesome, and you make our job so much easier. Endless uh, support staff and Dream Team members and everybody, this is like, they're gonna turn my music on, like this is the Oscars or something. So let's just keep going. Worship 101. um, Now, okay, let's establish this out of the gate. Worship is not just what happens in this room, right? You worship with your whole life. But for the coming weeks, for the next month or so, we're talking about the gathering, what happens when we express our worship corporately, what happens when we sing, what happens when we're in a room together. And the good news is there's no biblical list of exactly what musical style and what songs and what instruments and everything there has to be. And in fact, there's not, the Bible's not really about lists anyway. Living for God's not about a bunch of, well, check all these boxes. We are saved by grace through faith. It's the mercy of God that we can approach Him. And then we get to live this joyful life, this overflowing life, in response to all He's done, not trying to earn His love, but living as if we've already been loved. Amen? And so we're talking about worship today, and I posted a question on Facebook uh, yesterday about worship expression. Got a ton of great responses. A lot of them I related to. Some of them I didn't relate to, but it's fascinating to hear. And um, I remember being new to church. I didn't grow up in church, so I remember going to church and having no idea what to do, um, mostly with my hands. Anybody, you're like, where do I... What should I do, right? And so um, I, I remember going to church, and then, but then in high school, I went to a pretty, like, dynamic, expressive, charismatic church, and a lot of that was awesome, and a lot of that was a little weird, right? Anybody else grew up kind of Pentecostal somewhere, I little, saw some crazy stuff too, right? And so just sorting through all of that, I have been in services that I didn't want to end And I have been in services that I could not wait for it to keep going, you know. And um, I've been in worship moments where I was unaware of the people around me. And I've been in plenty where I was only aware of the people around me. I've zoned out. I've thought, I hate this song. Um, I've, I've, I've had all kinds of experiences when it comes to worship. And that's the thing. Whatever topic we're talking about. If we're talking about worship or we're talking about parenting or we're talking about marriage and sexuality or we're talking about money or whatever it is we talk about, we bring our own experience, our own baggage um, to the table. And so here is, here is the reality. Um, the word of God has a lot to say about everything pretty much we face in life. Okay, how we live, how we relate to one another, how we serve, what we do, how we think, how we speak, how we sing even. It has a lot to say, but all of us, we also bring in our life experiences, okay? So we have all of this stuff that we have seen the way that we have believed, the way that our church was growing up, the way that our parents were, the way that we feel most comfortable, the way that we are wired. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I'm a crier. I I don't want anybody to see me. I hide in the back row. I wish we had more back rows, you know, because everybody wants the back row. and, and, And so we have all of this life experience. And here's the problem. Most of the time, most of us, myself included, place our life experiences on top of what the scriptures have to say. And so, you know, we might give some consideration to the Bible. We might not. We mostly look at what we have experienced and what we have believed to be true or how we were raised or what our home church was like or whatever, okay? And so the challenge of this series, and truthfully, the challenge of every series is that what we're trying to do here is not throw this away, not discount your experience, not ignore it, but rather than viewing the Bible through your experience or stacking your experience on top of the Bible or disregarding the Bible altogether and only living based on what you know about life, we're trying to place the Bible on top of our experiences. Okay, We're trying to say, I know I grew up this way, but what does the Bible say? I know this seems right to me, but what does the timeless word of God say? I've been on the planet 35 years, and I think I'm pretty smart. I'm not. The creator of the universe knows better how this thing happened, right? And so our goal is to place... The scriptures on top of our life experiences, and now instead of we read the Bible through our own cultural lens and our own perspective and our own upbringing, and we try to make it say what fits what we wanted to say. Instead, not only are we looking at both, we're actually looking at life through the filter of Scripture and saying, "Wait, now hold up. This seems right, but that's not what this says." And if and if me and God disagree. Maybe God should win, even when it's uncomfortable. And so now I'm trying to live a life that honors the word of God. And I don't have to throw my life away. I just need to know um, what my maker has to say about it, okay? So we're talking about worship, and, and God has things to say about worship. Churches didn't make up worship. We didn't make up worship music. We didn't make up gestures and expressions. These are things the scriptures Talk about And so some questions, if you're note-taking, you might not be able to keep up with these, but you can take a picture. Some questions I want to answer today and in this series are are these. Is worship expression strictly and merely personal cultural? Is it just individual? Is it just up to you? Is it just how you're raised? I think you know my answer to that's going to be no. But the second question is, does the Bible... Tell us what our worship should look like. And the answer is, at least in part, yes. Maybe not down to every detail and every instrument and every note. But yes, the Bible does talk about what our worship should look like. And then the tough question for you is, how do I need to adjust accordingly? What does the word of God say about my worship? And if my worship doesn't match what God is asking of me, How do I take a step towards obedience and putting his word back on top of my experiences rather than putting my experiences on top of his word? Now, I realize those are questions um, mostly for Christians. We're talking about how to worship God, and if you don't believe in God or you don't love God or you don't serve God, you're probably not too interested in worshiping him. But you're here, and so I'm gonna teach you anyway, and I'm gonna hope that maybe in a month you're right there with us and worshiping along with us, a God that loves you and cares for you um, very much. And so I don't want to pressure anybody. I'm not trying to drum up any kind of weird, weird stuff. I just want to encourage us to grow in faithfulness to the scriptures and to grow our favorite way that we grow at Bluff First. We don't grow by leaps and bounds. We, we grow one step at a time. So what I'm asking you in the next month is would you take one step in your worship of God, would you take one step towards honoring him the way that he wants to be honored? You know, some people try to honor someone, it's like, I don't want that. You know, well then it's not honor anymore. We wanna honor God the way that he wants to be honored. And we love you right where you're at, and Jesus does too, but we also um, love the word of God enough to not just go, oh, stay there forever. We wanna nudge you towards growth. Not just trying to get people to sing or lift their hands or go through some kind of empty motions I want your heart to be in it. Okay, in fact, that's the most important piece The problem is sometimes we make it the only piece right well my heart's in it God knows my heart God doesn't look at the outside like we do. he looks at the inside. He knows my heart so I don't have to express myself well Worshipping God with your heart and your internal dialogue—that is great. That is a piece, and a very important piece, maybe the most important piece of the worship puzzle. But it's not the only piece. And so we're going to look in the coming weeks at, at um, what that looks like. Um, if you need proof that you know it, heart is important, though, Isaiah twenty-nine, the Lord said, "Hey, there's these people, and they say their mind, they honor me with their lips. So far, so good. God, I belong to you. I'm singing all the songs." all I have is Christ, there's joy, all this great stuff, right? But there's a problem, their hearts are far from me. If your heart is far from God, it doesn't matter what you present and project outwardly, okay? God is not asking you to just go through the motions, he's asking for your devotion, okay? He gave everything for you, he's made a way for you to know him. And he's given his son for you. We love, the Bible says, we love because he first loved us. So if you're taking notes this morning, yes, God wants worship from your heart. God wants worship from my heart, okay? But what does that look like, and should it only stay in my heart? Um, Is it, yeah, it's not just about the outside, but does does the outside matter at all? And here's the tension, because we don't want to honor God with our lips and our our expression and have hearts that are far from him but the bible also teaches that whatever is in a man's heart comes out of his mouth that out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaketh if you're king james right the mouth speaks what is in the heart you can't help it if you love something it overflows nobody nobody in my life has to go so tj um haven't heard lately. How are your children? Um, how are your How's your football team? Uh, how's that restaurant you? try, I'm going to tell them. Okay, I'm going to tell you about my kids and show you pictures. I'm going to gripe about the bears and I'm going to tell you about this new restaurant or this new snack I found in the impulse aisle. Right, I'm going to share the things that I am excited about out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. So, God wants worship from my heart, that's a given, and if you don't have that, you have nothing else. But beyond that, we're gonna find in scripture, God also wants worship from our lips. God wants, it's not that he says, oh, your lips praise me and your hearts don't. Keep it in your heart. The lips matter too, the voice matters too. Listen to this verse. We're jumping around a lot of passages today. I, I, Personally, I love preaching through one chapter of the Bible, but sometimes we address a topic, and so we, we see what the whole Bible has to say. Hebrews 13:15 says, "Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, And if we ended it there, it'd be up to your definition, it could be quiet and in your heart, but it doesn't end there. It says a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that openly profess." his name. It's good for you to praise God in your heart silently. It's pointless to praise God with your mouth if your heart's not in it at all. But it's even better if your heart is in it and it makes its way up to your lips. And I I love that this verse calls it a sacrifice of praise. In the Old Testament, God You know, God had people sacrifice to him. They sacrificed animals. They sacrificed produce. Now, you know, Jesus has become the all-time sacrifice, and so we don't have to atone for our sin, but we get to be living sacrifices. We get to be people who worship God with our whole selves, our whole bodies, and sacrifices sometimes are uncomfortable. (laughs) It's not fun being a sacrifice always. You don't always feel like being a sacrifice, a sacrifice costs you something, but we give God a sacrifice of praise, whether we feel like it or not. And you know, your, your voice, of course, is not the only way to worship God, but it is the biblical norm. I just want to tell you this morning, if all you have was the Bible and not your upbringing, you would not expect Christians to be quiet, silent, bored worshipers. If all you had was the Bible, you would go, man, I don't even know if I can keep up with these people. They are praising, they are shouting, they are dancing, they are going off for Jesus, right? And I'm not trying to drum up some type of hype thing, whatever, but I do want to say, hey, no matter how you were raised, let's let's raise up what the scriptures say above that upbringing and make sure that we're honoring God and worshiping God in a way that he wants to be worshiped. And some of you are like, yeah, but I'm not much of a singer. Me neither. And I lived out my own sermon illustration this morning. The 9 a.m. service, my microphone was turned on, it was muted in the house so nobody in here heard it except our entire worship team for the entire worship set. I was singing in their ear. And it wasn't sweet nothings, okay? It was not so sweet somethings. And I was singing my little heart out, our poor worship team, And they even said, sorry, we're having some technical difficulties. And I didn't even know what they were talking about. I just kept singing. Um, But Psalm 95 bails me out. It says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. I did it. I'm not that great at it. And then this is more my category. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. I'm not much of a singer, I'm a decent noiser, okay? I can noise, I can do that. And so what is a a joyful noise? I can tell you what it's not, silence. I can tell you what it's not, only in your heart. It's a noise, it's a sound, you can hear it. And, And not only is it a sound that you can hear, it's joyful. Some of us come to church and we make a noise, but we look like we're at Jesus' funeral. We look like the tomb is still full and he ain't coming out. And we look miserable. And we sing happy, there's joy when I sing your name, there's joy. I cannot contain this joy. (laughs) Tell your face, okay? You do not look excited to, to worship God. God wants that joyful noise. God wants us to lift our voices. Even in the New, in Colossians, there's New Testament church instruction, how to do church. And it says this, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Some of you are like, yep, love that. Love the Bible. Love the preaching part. I come for that. I'm not into the music so much. But look at what it says next. Admonish one another, encourage, build up, exhort one another. And the prescription for that encouragement blows my mind. Admonish one another by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Well, I thought worship was just between me and God. I thought it was just in my heart. And if I did barely get it out of my lips, it was just to God. <laughs> but, but we learn here in Colossians My worship to God admonishes and encourages the people around me. And you're like, no, not if you heard me. Yes. Even if I heard you, you know, it it encourages the people around me. So on the flip side, when I withhold my worship, I'm not just affecting myself. I'm withholding your encouragement. When I show up to church and I'm like, not today. Don't feel like it today. I'm not worshiping. I'm refusing to encourage the people around me to worship as well. And you say, I don't like my voice. I don't like that song. I don't like how quiet it is, people can hear me. I don't like how loud it is, I can't hear me. Listen, it's not about you. Y'all ever been to a birthday party? There's one song. I don't know why it's the happy birthday song, it sounds so sad. Happy birthday to you, right? But we all know the words. We all sing it. Nobody's like, sorry, I'm out. I don't have a voice. It doesn't matter if you have a voice to sing happy birthday. We find one person with a voice to start, and then two seconds in, we're all in, right? And it's not about the words. It's not about, I've heard it a million times. It's not about how good my voice is. It's the people I'm with and the person we're singing to. If you would just treat worship like the happy birthday song, some of you would be in better shape. Now, don't sound so depressed, but if you would just go, it's not about me and if I like this song and how good my voice is. It's the people I'm with and the person we're singing to. (laughs) No one's complaining. You know, I like the old happy birthday song. I wish we had a new remix of the happy, and there are some of those, and they're weird, aren't they? I don't like the happy or happy birthday song. I'm like, just stick to the usual. Um, I'm more traditional in that sense. You guys know the happy, happy birthday, happy birthday. Yeah, I don't like that one that much. Um, Now, the Ryan's happy birthday song. Okay, I need to to get back. Okay. That was pretty good. Okay. So, Pastor TJ, are you saying a quiet, introverted worshiper is not a good Christian? No. The heart comes first, and it's so important. I would rather you be sincere and quiet than loud and disconnected from God. But worshiping God with our voices is not just for extroverts, it's not just for musicians and singers, it's not just for charismatics, it's not just for young people. Lean in for a second. Can we be honest, can we be real? Worship is not just for women. You go in most churches, the women are ready to worship. I said I was preaching on worship, notebooks came flying out. Some of the girls are excited. Some of the men were like, I hate this guy already. He's going to tell me to do something. And you hate me right now on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. <laughs> so kind, right? But it's not, it's not just about your temperament, your, your style, your whatever. The Bible is full of men, women, young, old, rich, poor, powerful, powerless, lifting their voices to God about how good he is. And they don't just keep it in their heart. They lift their voice. So I'm nudging you to be more vocal. One step, more vocal, okay? I don't sing at all. Could you sing the chorus with us? Just the chorus? Well, I sing, but I kind of just move my lips. You know, I kind of lip sync. (laughs) Go ahead and add your voice to that. All right, well, I sing, you know, let's sing a little louder, okay? I, I just sing the words on the screen. Well, maybe, you know, if you don't know what to sing or whatever, just Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Like, add your own words. We're just asking you to take one step in this category. And if you're like, ah, I'm not a words guy. I'm more of an actions guy. Well, there's good news. Worship is about words and actions both. And I love this passage. Psalm 35, verse 9 and 10. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. Some versions say my soul will rejoice. My heart, my soul, my being, I will be glad because he rescues me. Let's look at all that internal joy that's happening. And then verse 10 says, with every bone in my body, I will praise him. So, so my soul rejoices, my bones praise. My internal, external, heart, voice, body. God sees my heart. He sees my soul. Sure. But if I love God in my heart, give me one good reason. I should hide that from everyone else. Like, can I tell you something? I love my wife and kids in my heart. They expect a little more from me in our relationship. You know? If my, if my wife's like, hey, where's our daughter? You didn't pick her up from school. I'm like, but I love her in my heart. Isn't that enough for you? I'm like, no. Show something. Show it. Act like it, right? So it's good to love God in your heart. It's better to love him with all of you. So God wants worship from my heart. He wants worship from my lips. And then, this is the one that makes us nervous. He wants worship from our hands. Say, I don't know what to do with my hands. We're going to find out. Psalm 47, verse 1, says, everybody clap your hands. Not really, but it says, clap your hands, all peoples. Pretty much what it says. It's biblical, right? Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Clap your hands, all people. Clapping universally is a way to celebrate, universally a way to agree, universally a way to say thank you, universally a way to just stay on beat. And some of us need prayer and fasting in that area, you know? But But clapping is universal. God put percussion instruments in your hands. You say, well... I don't know about clapping, that's okay. There's lots of ways to worship, but that's one of them, that's biblical. Another way to worship with our hands is with instruments. Some of you were raised in church environments, there was no instruments, there was great singing, so you love the singing, that's awesome, but there's nothing wrong with instruments. Psalm 150 mentions about eight different kinds, and we're still looking for a flute, harp, and lyre player, so if any of y'all play any of those, you can join us, right? Some of you can play instruments and can sing and you're hiding in it, but first, And I want to let you know there's 52 Sundays and 104 services a year. If you think we got it and the worship team has got plenty of people and we don't need you, we need you. Am I right, Pastor Nate? We need you. If you can play, right? We need you. You don't need me up here, but we need you if if God's gifted you in that way. So you can worship God with your hands, with instruments. Um, We use music. It's powerful. It moves us. It celebrates everything else on the planet. Why would we not celebrate our creator with music as well? He's the one that gave us music. Here's the big one, one we see the most in Scripture. Another way we worship God with our hands. And again, yes, we worship God with our hands by working and earning a living, all that. But we're talking about the corporate worship gathering. Another way we worship with our hands is by lifting them. 1 Timothy 2.8 says in, what does it say? Every place of worship. I don't see my denomination listed there. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. So there's a number of reasons, right, that we would be moved to lift our hands. It's a natural response. Everywhere else in the world, lifting our hands happens naturally. We get to church and we think about it a whole lot. Should I do it? How do I do it? Where where do I go? Right. But anywhere else, nobody has had to teach anyone to raise their hands after a game-winning shot. It just happens. Right? Or the field goal goes wide left and your team wins. Nobody has to teach you to raise your hands. You just do it. You celebrate. And yet we come to church and we look like the losing locker room. Everybody looks depressed. Do you guys know we won? We're winning. We're up by a lot. Like, it's it's inevitable. We're going to win. Let's look like we have something to celebrate. We raise hands to testify in our culture right, to say like, yep, this is the truth, I believe that, amen, I'm gonna tell the truth. We testify with our hands, we reach, pursue with our hands. You know, you see somebody running away or, or you, you, you come home from work, like I come home from work or my daughter comes home from pre-K and she runs to me with her hands over, daddy, 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 and I go, get away from me. No, I don't do that. I don't say, um, excuse me, miss you didn't clean your room yet, you better perform and be good before I will receive you. I, no, she lifts her hands, I pick her up, that's what we do. Okay, I, that's, that's what happens. And God is a much, much, much better father than I am. So when we lift our hands to pursue God, he sees us, he responds. We lift our hands to surrender, right? And look, you, didn't, you, you don't even serve Jesus. Without surrender, you thought you was living right, you thought you had it all figured out, you thought you didn't need God, and at some point you were like, oh, I did need God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I give you my life, I surrender. Are you less surrendered now than you were that day? Or are you more surrendered now to your king? If you are, look like you. maybe, I don't know. We raise our hands to receive right? We raise our hands to receive. God has plenty to give. He has plenty to give, but sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we look like A.J. Green. If y'all were at the football group Thursday night, Cardinals-Packers, last play of the game, quarterback threw the ball to a guy, never never even looked at the ball, never even saw it coming, was not ready to receive at all. Bounce hit him in the back of the head, Packers caught it and won, and I'm still bitter about it, Okay. (laughs) My team wasn't playing, but the team I hate was, so I, <laughs> I'm still upset. But he never even saw it. didn't even know it was coming to him. How many things we miss out on, because we're not even in a position to receive, even if God wanted to give us something. We're not even looking for it. The Bible not only gives us permission to sing and clap and raise our hands and shout, it actually tells us to do it, and so we can take a step towards expressing our love for God outwardly. And I'll just be real with you. When I was 20, I was jumping for Jesus. I'm more reserved now. I'm more quiet. I'm more laid back. I'm more self-aware or insecure or whatever it might be. But I I still want to make sure I'm honoring God the way that he wants to be honored. And so while we do that, lastly, God wants worship from our heart, our lips, our hands. But there's another factor that gets checked at the door of some churches and that's the he wants to worship from our mind. Some of us like, yeah, mouth, hand, we're, we're all about worshiping Jesus. We just lose our minds. And I'm not too worried about that here, but but I do want us to, to talk about this. We can worship God freely. That means we're free. We get a choice. I'm not gonna make you worship and God's not either. You're not a puppet. Okay, This is not a job, it's not a duty, it's not a burden, it's a joyful response. God's not gonna possess you and make you worship him. He doesn't make you give, it doesn't make you pray, it doesn't make you read your Bible, it doesn't make you worship, it's in your best interest. He teaches you how, he commands it, he instructs it, he invites it, but we get to decide that's what makes it worship. That's what makes it love. Don't do this. But you can get anybody to say they love you at gunpoint, right? You can get anybody to do that. That's not love. And so God doesn't force us to express our worship to him. But he asks for it and he shows us how in his word. Some of you don't worship strictly because someone tells you to and you don't like anybody telling you what to do. Can we be real? Some of you are like, you are like I was gonna sing and then you said sing with us. I might have lifted my hands, but then you said, if you're comfortable, lift your hands, and I'm not feeling real comfortable. (laughs) Some of you are like, we're like, hey, we're gonna read this scripture out loud together, and you're like, no, we are not. (laughs) That's fine, okay? When my daughter acts that way, we say, you know, she's got leadership qualities, doesn't she? She won't do anything you ask her to do. But would you let God tell you how to worship him? And would you maybe trust your pastors to try to lead you that way, do the best we can, and, and, and do, do worship in a way that, that pleases God? The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. He shows up. He, he lives in this environment. He's here when we worship him. And so we, we worship with our mind. We make a choice. We worship orderly. First Corinthians 14 says, be sure everything is done and in order just because we have freedom doesn't mean we're goofy, right? I want my worship to stir you up for worship. I want you to see me worship it, but I don't want you to be distracted from God. There's an appropriate time and place for everything, right? And you know it when you see it. If everyone is singing, sing your little heart out. If I'm preaching, maybe stop. You know? If everybody's clapping, if it's like the acapella moment, maybe you shouldn't start that, you know? Let's leave the instruments on stage for the most part if we can. You know, we don't have a whole lot of problem with that. Nobody's bringing tambourines or anything. But, you know, if we're moving, we're singing, don't do backflips and stuff, you know. If it's a great, big, powerful moment and the tomb is empty and the stone is rolled away, you let out a shout of praise, that's awesome. If we're all holding hands and praying and have our eyes closed, a shout of praise is terrifying. <laughs> all right? So just use your mind. If I'm honest, being orderly is not my concern. I'm not worried about bluff first getting too off track. We can redirect, we can correct that stuff. I'm more worried about a lack of passion than I am any type of distractions. And the scriptures actually talk about how when we gather corporately, 1 Corinthians 14, when we gather and worship and proclaim worship, it affects the unbelievers that are in the room. And you know, every week there are unbelievers in the room. Every week there are people here who don't know God, and some of them know it, and some of them don't even know they don't know God. But every week they're here, and your worship draws them in. And congrats, I'm not gonna preach on worship every Sunday, so we need a church that acts like Jesus is alive and winning, okay? Nate, if you join me. I gotta hurry up or I'm gonna go long again. Um, You also need your mind to know and remember and remind you of the truth. See, we buy the lie that if we raise our hands or we raise our voices or if we express ourselves, we're gonna be fake, we're gonna be phony, we're gonna be hypocrites. Can I tell you something? It's the opposite of that. When you believe that, you're buying and believing a fake, phony gospel. In that moment, you're saying, it's about me and what I've done. It's not about God and what he's done. It's about my performance. I've gotta be near perfect to worship God publicly. Well, then the gospel is not even good news. It's it's not good news at all. It's all about you. So so set aside the I'm going to be fake, I'm going to be phony. When you worship God anyway, you're not declaring a lie. You're declaring the truth that it's not about you and that in God's grace you can boldly come to Him in spite of you, in spite of your worst mistakes and your best efforts. You can worship God anyway. Believing the lie that worship is about our track record preaches a false gospel to our own hearts and to the people around us. But when we worship in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our anxieties, we preach the true gospel to ourselves and to other people that I am messed up and loved anyway, welcomed anyway, part of the family anyway, accepted anyway. God rejoices in this praise I'm giving despite what I said on Friday. He loves me. I don't have to earn it but I'll look like a hypocrite. Listen, if you're in Christ, God already sees you as the righteousness of Christ. You are perfect. He sees his son's blood over you. It's not hypocritical for you to worship. It's hypocritical for you to say you believe the gospel, but then disqualify yourself from worship based on what you've done. That's not the gospel. That's the hypocrisy. You say, well, but I mess up a lot, Pastor TJ. And if I, I know I'm not gonna be perfect, I know that, but if, if I could just sin less, I'd feel more comfortable. If I could just get up to the standard of the people around me, sin a little less, I'd feel like worshiping more. No, if you'd worship more, you'd feel like sinning less. Are you saying if I'm quiet, I'm a hypocrite? No, but I'm saying you can be so comfortable and so withdrawn and so quiet that you just stopped worshiping and called it worship because the rest of the room was worshiping when you decide to worship despite your feelings despite your performance what's awesome is a lot of times the right emotions and feelings follow like if you waited till you felt like serving felt like giving felt like forgiving someone you might never do it so, so hear me plainly you look around and you go they must be feeling something i don't feel you might Feel like worshiping if you did. If you just did it. But I'm embarrassed. People are going to see me. Can we examine that for a second? First off, they're thinking the same thing. Right? Everyone's like, they're looking at me, they're looking at me, we're all looking at each other. Right? You're in the back row, everybody's looking at you, I don't know how. (laughs) But Second, where are we? Like, I get it. If you're at Walmart and you're like, I don't know if I can praise God right here. You might get some stairs. We show up to church by choice to worship God with other people who came to church by choice to worship God. And we're afraid somebody might catch us worshiping God. Somebody might see that I love Jesus. This is a safe place to worship. And it's not all about the looks. But if it looks dead, and it sounds dead, and I'm new to that church, I don't want to, I mean, i got enough dead stuff in my life. But if it looks alive, and it sounds alive, man, what is this? I want to be a part of this. So many people said that their worship style, their expression was based on their upbringing. And if we throw away everything the Bible says about everything else, which we're not gonna do, but if we say that, okay, it's about your upbringing. Well, if that's true, let's just own this then. There are people still in their upbringing. I don't know if you noticed, we got kids falling out of the vents at Bluff First. They're everywhere. They are everywhere. I'm mad this week about a good thing. I had to pay more money because we're checking in more than 50 kids a week now, so I gotta up the software, you know? That's a great problem. So we got kids, we got young people, we got teenagers, we got students, we got college students. If worship style and expression is about upbringing, let's make sure they grow up in a place that loves Jesus and acts like it. Let's make sure they grow up where men are not afraid to sing and lift their hands and shed a tear because they're too manly. Let's grow up in a place that loves Jesus. Let's make sure they grow up in a place like that. How sad to have the best news in the world and to gather in a room and act like we just watched Old Yeller. And there's times that I cry in worship. There's times it is sad. There's times it's evicting. I'm not discounting that, but can we just act like the tomb is empty? Can we act like the king is alive? Can we act like he's on the throne? Can we act like I once was blind, but now I see? Stand with me on your feet this morning. Jesus, we need you, we love you. You're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. I wanna talk to you, I wanna pray with you, I wanna help you, but we're gonna sing, we're gonna worship, we're gonna go after God for a moment right now. Would you right now just close your eyes, forget what everybody's around you? And would you give me some kind of sign of surrender, of praise, of celebration? Would you open your hands, or lift your hands, or lift one hand, would you just respond outwardly to a God who's changed your life inwardly? Jesus, we need you. We don't want anything else. We want you. We want your presence. We want you to be pleased with our lives. We give you our praise this morning, a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice I don't feel like giving, a sacrifice I don't feel worthy of giving. I lift my voice. I lift my, my hands. I lift my praise to you, Jesus. Let's worship together, church. Let's go after it. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.